Thank you for that beautiful message and song. I've read where the man who wrote that song was sitting in a restaurant and feeling so burdened for lost people and he looked through the window and saw them all walking by on the, the uh, sidewalk and the words just seemed to come to him. He uh, sees them walking by. People need the Lord. They still do. People need the Lord. Unsaved people need the Lord and saved people need the Lord. That's how we've been made. He's the Creator and He's made a place in our hearts that only He can fill. People need the Lord. Today we're talking about faith. The title of the message is Slow and Sudden Faith. And the first thing I want to say is a question. What is faith? What is faith? A famous Protestant theologian once wrote, that faith is the most misunderstood word in the religious vocabulary. And he just might be right. Um, In my research, I've found that some people believe that faith is a great big blind leap into the dark. That's how they understand faith. They don't know if there's anything out there. They hope there is. But they're going to take a a wild run and jump into the unknown. And this is their concept of faith. Some other people feel that faith is more emotional. They feel it's like a a cold shiver up the spine. (gasps) Oh, I think I just have faith. And there are people who believe that. And then there are people who believe that faith is just something that you have to drum into your head. You've got to get in front of a mirror And you've got to look yourself in the eye and convince yourself of something. And they they think that's faith. Well, really, what is faith? And why is it so important in our Christian lives? Let's find out today, shall we? Let's begin with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we pause to acknowledge your sovereignty in our lives, our country, and in this world today we pause to give you the honor and glory due unto a heavenly Father. It's a wonderful privilege to be able to come to you in Jesus' name and in Jesus and to be able to talk with you as a father, but as more than that, as a daddy. And today, O heavenly Father, we ask please that you would teach us about faith. Help everyone here today. Maybe there's someone here today that has very little Maybe no faith. Please, I pray, grant them the gift of faith today. Let them experience, let them, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and how good life is when lived by faith, hand in hand with you. So bless, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, in the Bible, we are told of many great Things that certain men and women have done. Great, wonderful things. Accomplishments. Impossible accomplishments. But yet they were able to do it. And they did it by faith. Now we just touched on the surface in our Bible reading just a few moments ago. But we want to find out what faith is. And maybe more importantly, how did these people get faith? Is it available for us? Now, there are some rather colorful definitions of faith. Uh, They take the letters of the word and they turn it into an acronym where they say F means this word and A means this word. And so I have a, a few of them here for you. Are we ready with that? 
Okay, let's put up the first one, shall we? Here's, here's faith. Full assurance in the heart. Now that's, that's pretty nice sounding, isn't it? Full assurance in the heart. C-F-A-I-T-H. Can you all see that? All right, let's look at another one. Forward all issues to heaven. How about that? Boy, there's some, uh, some wisdom in that one, I think. Next one. For answers, I trust him. That's another nice one, isn't it? And uh, maybe an equally nice one is this next one. Forsaking all, I trust him. Boy, that gives the idea of really clinging to the Lord. Hmm? And then uh, one more, I think it's the last one. There we are. Fantastic adventures in trusting him. I like the sound of that. It has a little bit of swashbuckle to it, I suppose. An exciting life. I like that sort of thing. And all these things are kind of fun. And uh, there's an element of truth in them. But folks, they do not answer our question. They do not define for us what faith is, nor how to get it. Although it's a lot of fun to look at things like that. Okay, you can put that away. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, I hope you have your Bible open. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the Bible here gives us a, a biblical explanation of what faith is. Now the only problem is that many of us need to have the explanation explained to us. So we read verse 1 and we say, wow, what does that mean? Well, that's why we're in church today. The English word faith comes from a Latin word, fides, F-I-D-E-S, fides. And it means confidence. And I suggest to you the proper way of understanding confidence or fides or faith is to think of complete confidence and trust. Complete confidence and trust in something or someone or what that person says. Right now, you're sitting in a comfortably padded pew and it's supporting your weight and the weight of the person beside you and the weight of the person beside them. We have some chairs over here and your chair is just supporting your weight. But you have confidence, you have full confidence in the strength of the pew or the chair to hold you up. If all of a sudden you just kind of felt it take a little dip, I know you would jump. You'd get right up right away and you'd say, oh, something is not right here. To my knowledge, that has not happened in our church. I hope it never happens. But it has happened where you sit on a chair and the leg gives way and down you go. How many have ever had that happen? Several. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a weird experience, isn't it? All of a sudden, your confidence, your full trust and confidence is shaken in that chair, isn't it? Well, fides or faith means complete Trust and confidence. Uh, it's like you're reclining. It's like you're leaning not onto your own understanding. You are leaning somewhere else. You're putting your trust and confidence in something or someone. Now, in essence, we want to start thinking of faith as Bible faith. And the reason I suggest we do that is because faith is linked to God's word. God's word speaks a lot about faith. And so if we're going to talk about faith, 
think about faith. Let's think of it as Bible faith. Bible faith. I think that will help us today. Now, there are two things we need to know about Bible faith. Number one is it's always a gift from God. So number one, it's always a gift from God. Would you say that with me? It's always a gift from God. So if I ask you, what's number one? You'd say, it's, it's always a gift from God. You are not going to find Bible faith anywhere else, but from the source, the origin, God. He is the one who gives Bible faith. And the second thing we need to know about Bible faith is that uh, there are actually two ways of obtaining Bible faith. There's the slow way and the sudden way. Hence the title of the sermon today, Slow and Sudden Faith. And so number two, the second thing we need to know about faith is that there are two ways in which we can get faith. A slow way and a sudden way. So what's number one? Number one is always a gift from God. Number two is two, yeah, there's two ways, slow and sudden. Good. Keep, try and keep that in mind. We're going to start here with the slow method, the slow way of obtaining faith. And what we mean by this is over a period of weeks and months and years, we get faith from God and it grows. And let's look at that together in the Bible. So we eventually will be coming back here to Hebrews 11. So you may want to put a, a bookmark in there or something. But let's right now go back to the book of Romans. The book of Romans after the Gospels, Acts, and then Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, you have that? Now, verse 17, I'd like you to read that out loud with me. Keep your seats, but let's read out loud together Romans 10 and verse 17. Here we go. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. There's the Bible again, the Word of God, the Holy Scriptures. They are linked together with faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now turn almost to the end of the New Testament to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter. So it's shortly before Revelation. You'll find 1 and 2 Peter. Go to 1 Peter. Chapter 2. And verse 2. 1 Peter 2 and 2. 1 Peter 2 verse 2. Now, um, if you want to be able to help your pastor, if you would like to be able to help me as I teach and preach, then what you need to do is bring a real Bible to church with you. Because uh, I listen for the turning of pages. And you hear all the rustling of the paper. And when it dies down, then you know that everyone is at the appropriate chapter and verse. But when you bring electronic and different, you know, beep, 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 things with you. I have no way of knowing where people are at. So you would help me out by bringing one of these guys, tried and true, but that's so big and so heavy. Yeah, let it be your cross that you bear for Jesus. Huh? Coming into his house on his day. Just a little encouragement. I'm my job, part of my job is to provoke you. 
1 Peter 2.2. 2. Let's read it out loud together. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. There it is, folks. In Romans and in 1 Peter, we're told that by consuming the word of God, we may grow. And faith is what it is that grows. And it comes slowly. As we read and study and memorize the Bible, and I sure hope you do, because I'll say it again, you are cutting yourself off at the legs if you do not have the Bible coming into you every day. You need the Bible every day. Oh, but pastor, some days I just don't feel like reading the Bible. I know everyone feels that. If you're human, you feel that. But if you're smart, you won't listen to it. Oh, listen, you know, when you're sick, that's when you really need the medicine, right? Isn't that true? Oh, I'm so sick. I'm too sick to take medicine. We'd say, wow, what's, what, 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 what kind of thinking is this? You, you really need the medicine now. You know, some people, they go through turmoil in life and they need, they need help. They need some counselor or so, someone that can come in alongside and, and help them. Oh, my problems are, are so uh, weird and, and I'm, I'm down so much with my problems. I'm, I'm too messed up for a counselor. No, you need help. You need to bring in a little help when you are struggling. But the thing is, we struggle every day and we need God's word to help us. It refreshes, it cleanses but it builds faith. And so never cut yourself off from the Word of God. Cut yourself off from other things. But never cut yourself off from God's Word. So as we daily read and study and memorize the Scripture, what the Holy Spirit does is He makes faith to grow inside of us. And we call this slow faith because it happens daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. And if, if you've been saved for any period of time, a few years, you ought to be able to look back over uh, the course of your Christian life and you ought to be able to see evidence of growth. You ought to be able to see evidence of growth in grace and faith and the qualities of Christ should be more evident in you now than ever before. If you claim to be a Christian for a number of years and you don't see any growth in grace, you have every reason to doubt and to wonder, am I even saved? Am I even saved? If you can't say that you love the Lord more now and that you know more of the things of God now than you did a year ago, two years ago, 50 years ago even. If you can't say that you're you're stronger and more mature in Christ now, then you need to question where you're at. Um, As we come to church for 10 o'clock Sunday school and 11 o'clock Sunday morning and 6 o'clock Sunday evening, And 7 o'clock Wednesday evening. What happens is we hear the word of God. We take in the preaching and the word of God. And the Holy Spirit uses that to build faith in us. Now, these are four important appointments that we have every week of our lives. To miss out on one appointment means to cut off 25% of the faith-growing ministry of the Holy Spirit. When you decide not to go to church, but rather stay home, sleep in, go to the golf course, watch TV, whatever, you name it, you are cutting yourself off from 25% of what the Lord can and wants to do in your life. To miss two services a week 
means you've cut yourself in half. You've cut off 50% of the faith and growth that God wants to affect in your lives. You see, that's why we're so adamant of the fact that Christians need, need to be in the house of the Lord when the doors are open. Folks, that's just New Testament Christianity. And the believers back then uh, in the early church, they were getting together every day of the week. We don't do that. I don't think we can. Maybe we could, but we don't. We get together on Sundays and Wednesdays and we give four good opportunities for the Holy Spirit to build faith and grace and love and the character of Christ in each of us. And so keep that in mind. Now I know if you're sick, you can't be here. I know if you're scheduled for work, you can't be here. But hey, why don't you start praying that God adjust your calendar so that you are able to be here. We've seen God answer many prayers of, uh, of his people uh, about that sort of thing. And so I just leave it with you there. Now why is it that we need this slow type of, of growth? Well, those of you who love to cook, you know that some foods can be prepared very quickly and they taste just fine, but some foods have to be prepared slowly because there's a cooking process that you just can't speed up. And if you bypass that cooking process, the food won't be cooked properly. It'll taste funny or it could even be uh, dangerous to your health. And so those of you who cook, and praise the Lord for those of you who cook, you know that it takes certain amounts of time for different meals and different types of food. Well, why is it that we need this type of slow Bible faith in our daily lives? I want to give you at least three reasons. Now remember, all this is under the one umbrella, the slow type of faith. But here's one reason why we need to have Slow growing faith. Number one is to overcome sin and bad habits. Oftentimes those sins and those bad habits are rooted down deep in our hearts and lives. And it takes time to weed them out. And slow growing faith day by day is effective to get in there. Sometimes you get sick and you're prescribed a medication by your doctor. And the medication is designed to be taken, for example, antibiotics over a period of 10 days. And you're supposed to finish them all up. And if you quit halfway through, then your disease can come back, sometimes with a vengeance. And you've got to start all over again. You have to go through this slow cycle. And 10 days really isn't all that bad. But we need the time in order to overcome sin and bad habits. A growing Bible faith will put you on the winning side. No question about it. There's a story about a, uh, a Native American chief who uh, got saved. And he was experiencing victory in his life. And someone asked him, chief, he, uh, how is it you get your victory? And the chief said, well, inside me, I have two dogs. I have a good dog and I have a bad dog. And they're always fighting. And then the man asked the chief, he says, well, which one wins? And the chief said, the one that I feed the most. The one that I feed the most. If you're feeding yourself, your soul and your spirit, with a heavy-duty diet of worldliness and TV and all kinds of carnality, no wonder you're on the losing side. No wonder 
the Bible, reading the Bible doesn't hold a sparkle for you. No wonder you run out of things to say in prayer after 10 seconds. It's the one you feed the most. That's how you're going to determine whether you win or whether you lose. Listen, all you have to do is show me your spiritual habits through the week and I can tell you where you're at and what kind of Christian you are. That's not being judgmental. That's just looking at what you're doing. I can tell you where it's going to lead. If you point your feet east and start walking, eventually you're probably going to come to Calgary. Or if you're off by half a degree here, you'll probably end up in Edmonton or something. You keep on walking, you're going to, you see, get to Winnipeg if you head east. So in your daily life, which dog do you feed the most? Because whichever one you feed the most is going to determine what kind of Christian you are. That's, that's pretty good counsel, I think. The second reason why we need slow growth is to learn to put into practice good Christian habits, such as the daily prayer closet. Someone says, man, I heard a sermon on the daily prayer closet, and I'm going to start on the daily prayer closet. And they start the next day, and then the next day, but then the next day they miss. And so they say, well, I'll do twice as long the day after. But that never happens. And usually it's very hit and miss, and it's usually more miss than hit. We need slow growth. We need the cooking process in order to help us to establish good, solid Christian habits like the daily prayer closet. I'll tell you another one is faithful church attendance. I'll tell you another one, and that's tithing. A lot of Christians struggle with tithing because they say, oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. And my accountant says I should do this. And my friends at work say I, I shouldn't, uh, you know, what should I do? That's where you need slow-growing faith. That will help you through that problem. Faith promise for missions, supporting missionaries, is, a, is a, 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 work, a good work done by faith, and God blesses that back to the Christian in numerous ways. But this is why we need the slow-growing process of faith. A third reason is that it teaches us to keep at it and not quit. And sometimes, folks, let's be honest, we start and quit. And then we start again and quit. And we start again and we get going for a while, then we quit. And then we start again and quit. Then we start again and we get going for quite a while, then we quit. And then we start again and we get going for even longer. And we're tempted to quit. But we don't. And we keep on going. And this kind of success comes from slow-growing faith. Very important. We have a slow, steady solid Bible faith because it makes us rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus. In Psalm 92, 13, it says, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. You know that a plant can only flourish if it gets its roots down deep into good soil. Slow growing faith helps us to lay a foundation of our lives upon the solid rock, Jesus Christ. And when the storms of life come, we stand firm and we don't buckle down. We're not washed away. We won't be devastated. Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now, I need to sound a warning here today. Failure to grow in Bible faith day by day, listen carefully, will develop a serious character flaw or a fatal character flaw in your life. I'll give you an example. 
in the New Testament, a man named Demas started well. He got hooked in with the Apostle Paul. Boy, there's a good start. And he became Paul's uh, fellow laborer in the ministry. But there was a character flaw in Demas. And Demas, though, was a good man and had many good things going for him. He had a serious fatal flaw. And he did not develop his slow, Bible, daily, steady, stick-to-it kind of growth. And it led him to quit the ministry and go back into the world. John Mark is another New Testament example of a, a failure because of his lack of slow, steady growth. However, John Mark was able to recover himself and to get back and he finished strong, although it did take him years to be able to do it. And so we're saying that this type of slow Bible faith is something that we all need. Everyone, I need it, you need it, we can't be without it. But now folks, there's a second way in which we can get Bible faith. And this one comes suddenly. This is point two. I got two umbrellas for you. The first umbrella is the slow umbrella. The second umbrella is the sudden umbrella. Now, some might be tempted to say, well, listen, I, I just need one umbrella. Forget the slow. I'll, I'll go for the quick, the sudden one. That's, that's for me. That's what I want. I want the sudden faith. Now, you haven't heard the preaching yet. Hold on to your, your seatbelt there. Let's take our Bible and turn back to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, I'm listening for those pages. Rustle them so I can hear them, would you? Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read out loud two verses, verses 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Let's read together now. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. These two verses are famous amongst Christians and soul winners trying to help others come to know Christ as their Savior. God's grace, His His pleasing, the riches of of, uh, eternity are His and they're, they're ours as well as we please God. And so, for by grace are ye saved and it comes through faith. Now there's that faith again. But watch what it says about faith. And that, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. The Bible says that... Uh, This faith is a gift of God. Here we see how lost people become part of God's family. This is how it happens. It's not a slow process. It's fast. When it does happen, it's fast. Now it may take a man a while to come up to the door of salvation. He may have arguments. He may be dragging his feet for whatever reason. But when he gets up to the door of salvation, the door is Christ Jesus. And when he's ready to be saved, it happens quickly. It doesn't take long. Um, people about to be saved are given sudden faith. They're given a rush of full confidence in Christ's gospel. What is Christ's gospel? Number one, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every man, woman, young person 
is on the outs with God because of their lifestyle, because of their sinful choices, their sinful thoughts, the words that have come out of their mouth, things they have done that they know are wrong, times when they've hurt people, all this and so much more, sins before Almighty God has put us on the outs with God. We're on the outside. And we need to get this problem fixed because God has a remedy. It's a trash can called hell. And whoever bypasses God's remedy ends up in hell. That is the place where God puts eternal souls who refuse to be saved. Now this is very serious business. We need to learn all have sinned. We need to learn the wages of sin is death. That means more than just physical death. That spiritual death. To be separated from God forever and ever. In a horrible place that the Bible gives much description on. A place called hell. A place where it says the worm dieth not. That speaks of eternal putrefaction. Hell is a place of fire. Hell is a place of thirst. Hell is a place of regrets. Pounding of the fists. Hell is a place of screams and moans and gnashing of teeth. The Bible has so much to say about it. Jesus, when he was on earth, preached more about hell than he did about heaven. It's important for us to realize he did that for a reason. And so Christ's gospel begins showing us our need. Our sinful condition has separated us from Almighty God. But God loved us so much that he came himself. He is the remedy. No one can redeem their own soul. No one can pay for their own sin. We can't do it. We're bankrupt. None of us can. And so what God did was He came and He made a payment. His name was Jesus. And on the cross, He died for you and for me, shedding His blood, paying all of the sins that men could ever sin. How did He do it? Only God knows. But He did it on the cross. And when He was finished, He said, It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He died. And on the third day later, he rose from the grave. And that was on a Sunday morning, folks. Hallelujah, Christ is alive. He broke through the bonds of death. All the enemies would have had to do was just produce the body, the corpus delecti. That's all that the enemies of Christ would have had to do is just produce his dead body. And that would have been the end of it. But there was no dead body to produce. Because he rose bodily from the grave. Amen. Wow, hallelujah. Christ is alive. Knocking on the door of men's hearts. May I come in. May I come in. There are many in this world that want nothing to do with Jesus Christ. They'd rather die and go to hell than have anything to do with Jesus Christ. You say, how did they get that way? Many reasons. But then there are people who really want to know God, who really want their eternal destiny secured. They want to know that if they die, they're going to be with God in heaven. Jesus knocks on their heart's door. May I come in? I'd love you to come in, Lord. I'd love you to come in. Well, we have a problem. Your sin. Jesus wants to give you forgiveness, but you need to acknowledge and confess you're a sinner. And then humbly ask Him to forgive your sin and come in your heart and be your Savior. That's how people get saved. And this type of Bible faith is a gift of God. God will give you the faith to be saved at the right time. You say, when is that? I think it's somehow a combination, but I kind of think you have to want it. I kind of think you have to be ready for it. I kind of think you have to be willing to turn from 
your sinful lifestyle, turn from the world, be willing to give up the, 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 the sparkle and tinsel of the sinful carnal world. Turn your back on that horrible stuff and look unto the Savior. Look to Jesus and Him alone. And I think when you're ready and willing to do that, you're ready to be saved. And I think that's when God gives you this gift of, of faith. Now, as a lost sinner, God gave me this sudden confidence, this urge, this complete confidence to be saved back in April of 1975. God also gives this same type of a sudden rush, a sudden faith, if you will, to uh, uh, any Christian. Sudden faith, here's, here's the difference. The slow faith is meant to build Christ-likeness in you. The sudden faith is always a gift by the Holy Spirit. It's always a gift by God. That was what we learned in point number one earlier. It's always a gift by God given to Christians by the Holy Spirit at the right time. And here's why. So that they may do the will of God. The slow faith will come in a Christian's life as he or she keeps reading the Bible and praying day after day. The sudden faith will come to a lost person when they're ready to be saved, but it'll come to a saved person also when they're ready to do the will of God for their life. Now take your Bible, please, and turn to the left, back to the book of Acts. We're going to see this now. Acts, after uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, chapter 16. We have the Apostle Paul and uh, those that were with him. <clears throat> and they were not sure where they should go. They tried different ways, getting into different areas of Asia Minor, and they couldn't get in. God closed the door. And in Acts chapter 16, here we have, uh, in verse 9, a vision that appears to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. So that was a little bit of a distance from where he was at that point. Because he was, he was down in Troas. You could see in the end of verse 8, that's where he was. And so verse 10, after And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering. You see those two words? Assuredly gathering. They gathered up the pieces of the puzzle and they had absolute faith, absolute confidence. This is where... God wanted them to go, was into Macedonia. Paul had this sudden rush of faith, this tremendous urge and desire of God given to him with full confidence. Guys were going into Macedonia. Now that's faith. That's the kind of faith that many of God's men and women used to accomplish great things for God. I'm going to touch on that in just a moment. But I can tell you from my own life, my own experience with sudden faith. And this sudden faith came to me back in 1975 after I was saved when he called me to full-time ministry. And I just knew with full assurance in my heart that God was calling me to full-time service. Ask me for technical scientific explanations. I had none. But I just knew this is what he would have me do. Then, three years later, he called me into Bible college. And I just knew I had full assurance in my heart. This is what God wanted me to do. And I went off to Bible college in 1978. In 1979, God told me to marry my wife. 
And I had full, absolute confidence. And I put the ring on her finger at Christmas of, uh, of that year. God told me to start my first church in the summer of 1981. And I had full, absolute assurance and confidence in my heart that this is what I was to do. He told me in 1998 to move here to Surrey, British Columbia, which I was able to do in 1999. And in September of 1999, he told me to start Grace Baptist Church, which I did with full assurance and confidence. He told me to start supporting missionaries in a big way back in 2012. We had, some, had been supporting missionaries, I think, for um, uh, 11 of those years anyhow. And I think we had 12 missionaries that we supported. But in 2012, he thundered on my heart and I had full confidence and absolute assurance that we need to be supporting missionaries in a great big way which we have been doing, trying to do. In 2013, God told me to start a Bible college and I had full assurance in my heart to do so. In 2015, he told me to start a bus ministry and again, I had full assurance in my heart to do so. Sudden faith is always a gift from God to a Christian at the right time in order for that Christian to do the will of God. It's always a sudden rush of inner confidence Sudden faith was uh, all the time a gift from God. But how do we get it? How do we get this sudden faith? I'd like to suggest to you how to get it. You start with slow faith. That's why you can't, you have to have both umbrellas. You can't ju just take the fast one. You have to have that slow one. You start with the slow faith and you keep at it and you don't quit with slow faith. And as God sees your faithfulness, to slow faith. He will put inside of your heart a yearning to do more for God, more for the Lord, and then you'll begin waiting upon God in prayer. And you'll begin praying daily, day after day, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And one day, at the right time, the Holy Spirit will put an exciting thought into your heart, an idea of what God would have you to do. And then you keep on praying about this and reading your Bible and thinking about it. And at the right time, that's when the Holy Spirit gives you sudden faith, a complete assurance, a confidence to go ahead. Yes, this is what the Lord would have me to do. An example of that, I met my wife in 77, 1977, in about the spring of 77. Six months later, she had full assurance that I was the, the guy for her. But I didn't have that. I, I couldn't say that. If you asked me, are you going to marry her? I'd say, I don't know. Do you like her? Don't you like her? Of course I like her. I love her. But I don't know. I just don't know if she's the one for me. I may be a slowpoke. But it took me a year and a half. But at the right time, I was in Bible college at the, day, at the time. And all of a sudden, one day, I just knew. She's the one for me. Of course. There's no one else on the planet. She's the one for me. I'm going to marry her. And I was all set and ready. I went home at Christmas, put the ring on her finger. She actually said yes. I was ready to marry her right then and there. But I said, well, okay, I can wait, you know, till spring. But her parents and my parents wanted us both to wait until after I finished Bible college. And I thought, no, ah, that's so long. I'll be an old man by then. But the time actually went by quick. 
and we got married in 81, May of 80, May 2nd, if anyone's interested, in May of 81. But at the right time, God gives you a rush of full assurance. This is the way walking in it. Yes, this is what God would have me to do. And it, it comes and God will make it happen. You might ask, how do we recognize this sudden rush? What if I make a mistake? What if I get up tomorrow morning and I think, yes, this is what I want to do. You heard the story about two farmers in their field. At the same time, they happened to look up in the sky at the clouds. And they both thought, hmm, those clouds, they seem to be forming the letters P and C. And one farmer said, that means plant corn. And the other farmer said, that means preach Christ. How do I know that I'm not going to make a mistake? Is there any checks and balances? And the good news is yes. You see, when we have our own ideas, our wishes, our, our desires, we'll call them our fancies. They don't last. They come and they go. And they come again and they go. But whatever comes from God doesn't go. The grass withereth. The flower fadeth. But the will of God and the faith of God and the word of God, it abideth forever. When God gives you that rush of faith and you say, yes, I know, I know, I know, I know. This is what God wants me to do. It's going to be here tomorrow and the next day and next week and next month and next year and maybe for the rest of your life when you get that sudden faith. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because God knows our weaknesses. He sure does. But all this brings us back to Hebrews. Turn back there now. We're almost finished. I hope this message is a blessing to someone today. Hebrews chapter 11. Here is how you will recognize genuine God-given faith. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Here we see that faith has substance and evidence. It has these two things with it. That's how we recognize real, true, honest-to-goodness faith from God. Be it slow faith or, in this case, sudden faith. Because it has substance and evidence. And I'll tell you something else. is God will confirm His will to you. He will confirm it by giving you more substance and more evidence. Jesus said in Matthew 25, For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. You have every right to go to God in prayer and say, God, I don't know, does PC mean plant corn? If it does, I need you to confirm it to me, Lord, in the mouth of two or three witnesses. I need you to assure my heart. I don't know, Lord, does it mean preach Christ? Quit my farming and and leave everything behind and preach Christ as an evangelist? I need you to confirm that to me, Lord. I need to be sure of your will for my life. And you can go to God. And by the way, I suggest you do this, especially if you've got big decisions to make. Lord, am I making this decision on my own, or are you actually leading me to do it? Because I'll tell you a little secret, folks. Maybe you've learned this, is if you really press hard enough, God will let you have it. But you may not want it after you get it. That's very true. 
If the faith is from God, it will not fade. Sudden faith is exciting because it means God is calling you to a life, an exciting life with himself. But, but, but God will not, he will not give you sudden faith unless you sow yourself faithful with slow faith. If you forsake the slow faith, if you forsake your prayer closet, if you forsake the Bible reading and the prayer and the the daily and the weekly things God would have you to do, God is under no obligation to give you sudden faith. He gives sudden faith to the faithful ones. In Romans 1.17 and Galatians 3.11 and Hebrews 10.38, it all tells us the same message. The just shall live by faith. That means if you're saved, you need to live by faith. You say, why? Why do I need to live by faith? Are you in Hebrews chapter 11? I want you to read verse 6 out loud for me. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, just to give you a couple of examples, in verse 4, you've got Abel. Remember Cain and Abel? Remember them? And Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. He did it by, what's the word? Faith. He did it by faith. In other words, Abel went to his, his flock and he chose a lamb to sacrifice to God because he had complete confidence that this is how he would please God. On the other hand, you have Cain. Cain went to his garden and he got maybe some carrots and he got maybe some, uh, uh, some raspberry. I don't know if he had raspberries back then, but maybe he had some potatoes. He had a few things from his garden and he got some of these and some of those. And he, he figured that this would please God because he figured if he were God, this is what he would like. And so that's the basis of how he gave. Abel, on the other hand, said, what does God really want? God, what do you want? God, what do you really, really want? And God gave Abel faith. And by faith, Abel went. I don't know how many he had in his flock. Maybe he only had a few. Maybe others told him, you can't afford to give that to God, Abel. But by faith, Abel went ahead and did it. Here, God, this is for you. And Abel pleased God by faith. In uh, verse 7, you've got Noah. Now, Noah is famous for building what? The ark, right? That great big ship. He didn't do it by sight. He did it by faith. He had full confidence that he could please God by building a big boat out in the middle of the desert. He had absolute full assurance that he was going to please God by building this ship out in the middle of the desert. And by the way, it took him 120 years to do it. Plenty of time to change his mind. But if it's from God, if the faith is from God, it's here today and tomorrow and 120 years from now. In verse 8, you have Abraham. And Abraham left his home. He, he was living in Ur of the Chaldees over in the Babylonian area, era, area. And he left Ur of the Chaldees because he knew it would please God. And so listen, we're at the end of the message here. I need to ask you this question. Are you living by sight or are you living by faith? You know what faith is and you know how to get it. Are you making your choices in life more by faith or are you making your choices in life more by what you can see? You might say, 
Pastor, it doesn't make sense to tithe. And I would answer that and say, you're right by sight, but it does by faith because God promises to bless that back to us. God's interest that he gives in his bank is far better than the interest you're going to make at any of the local banks around here. You're going to get far more interest on your money from God when you invest it in his bank than you will by investing it in man's bank. And so by sight, we say, no, it doesn't make sense. You're right. By faith, we say, no, it does make sense. It makes absolute sense to tithe. You may say, it doesn't make sense to give to faith promise missions. I say, it does by faith. You might say, it doesn't make sense to go to church Sunday morning and Sunday evening. I say, it does by faith. You say, it doesn't make sense to get baptized and to become a member of the church. I say, it does by faith. You say, it doesn't make sense to go to Bible college. I say, it does by faith. Because it's by faith that we can do these incredible things for God. And it's only by faith we can please Him. You might be here today and you might say, Pastor, it doesn't make sense to repent of my sinful life and to get saved by asking Jesus to save me. It just doesn't make sense. And I say, it does by faith. My unsaved friend, will you receive Jesus Christ today and settle the matter? Ask him to save your soul. To my saved brother, my saved sister, I ask, will you come on the invitation today and ask God to forgive you for not living by faith? For living more by sight than by faith. Will you come on the invitation and ask him to help you to live by faith and to start praying, Lord, what would you have me to do? And then wait upon him for that rush of faith. Let's stand to our feet, please, in a word of prayer.